everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Rouge Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. The Rice Podcast is a part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. All right, we are here with our final of our AAC opponent previews, because, uh, yeah, we are recording this on... Thursday, July 27th, and uh, Rice starts practice next week. Rice starts fall camp next week. It's 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 here. Pinch me. I'm in. We're ready. It, we, I mean, media days are done. That happened this week as you're listening to this. And tie in with Dave Campbell's Texas football. Uh, met and spent several hours in a hotel conference room with several members of the DCTF team. Easy for me to say. Um wonderfully lovely people lots of funny coaching stories and life experience and comparing home field collections actually that was brought up so use the code roost r-o-r-o-o-s-t go get home field i i just repeatedly uh, my wife doesn't really like the sailor uh owl like big eye thing this is kind of <laughs> creepy i love it uh, so terrorize your spouses and children with large eyed owls that are slightly fun. But yes, <laughs> off plug and side note, uh, we love the guys at DCTF and gals. They're great. And we had a good time at Media Days. And now we disperse and go to the far corners of Texas. Well, actually, some of them went to like literally the hotel over to go to Conference USA Media Days, which <laughs> was also happening right there in Arlington. And I think the Big 12 was in like Dallas, Arlington too, right? And the SEC is coming. So Media Day is central. Yeah. In DFW. Uh, everybody's, uh, I mean, sometimes the sometimes I've been in the Metroplex and, and felt like it's just one, like a giant string of hotel conference rooms of a city of a, you know, of an area. So like that, that feels appropriate. It's just so easy to get to. And the event center was great. Walked to the bar afterwards and watched the Astros beat the Rangers. Life is good. And football's back. All things. No complaints. It's two thumbs up from my side of the Roost podcast. All right, and we are joined now by our buddy Jared Kalmus from Alamo Audible. How's it going, man? Yeah, it's good. It's always a pleasure to be on the pod. Definitely my favorite guest appearance uh, circuit that I do is, is coming on the roost as an avid listener. <laughs> there you go. And this Is this the first time we've had you on as proprietor of Alamo Audible? Yeah, yeah. So we, we did have to rebrand a bit of a legal battle with the Alamo Dome, believe it or not. <laughs> Um, which Wait, was so you're really telling confusing. me the Alamo Dome is more rigorous than the Alamo? Yes, I can absolutely <laughs> confirm that, 110%. Um, I'm not going to say the Alamo doesn't have lawyers like the Alamo Dome does, but uh, they're very much more chill. I'll, I guess I'll leave it at that, but yeah. <laughs> I about to say, don't, don't get yourself fired. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't, that, don't that violate any NDAs here. Yeah, that, that was a stressful time in my life. But I think Alamo Audible is a better name for us because we don't just cover football. We cover other sports, too. And it's, like, more encompassing. It's shorter. So it fits on our Twitter handle now because we had Alamo Audible as our Twitter handle because Alamo Dome Audible was too long. So a lot of people thought we were called Alamo Audible. Well, anyways, so 
it all works out. It's good. We wanted to bring you on here so we could spend like 10 minutes per player on the UTSA basketball team. I've been doing my uh, AAC introduction series, which, uh, you know, any non-UTSA listener that's in an AAC program or alumni w- would enjoy that series that we've been running. And I talked to the Temple guy this week, and he was talking about basketball. I was like, man, I, I hope you're not going to ask me to go on your podcast and talk about UTSA basketball, because there's there's nothing I can bring to the table or the court at this point. Like, it's <laughs> it's dire. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, Temple's gonna probably going to have a pretty bad season. They're probably going to win about 18 games. I was like, dude, I would kill for that at UTSA. Yeah, Are you right. kidding me? That would be like a top five pro- uh, year in program history, man. God. We've all got at least one one sport in the in the main roster that's like, yeah. you know, if you went on somebody else's pod and they were like, oh, well, what about the so-and-so team? And you're like, can we? No. It is really, really hard. <laughs> I to refuse. At all the hey, big sports. I talked to some Wichita State folks, and they wanted to talk about basketball and uh volleyball i was like okay i could yeah. i i'd forgotten that wichita state was in the same conference right. because it'd been all football uh, there's no ted lasso here for real so i think it was but, uh, usf they asked if we had field hockey at utsa and my response is what is field hockey is that lacrosse i don't know <laughs> i'm about to say i need to figure out what sports this conference sponsors is a part of i'm i'm pretty sure the school i am teaching at uh starting uh a week from today oh man summer's over uh actually has a field hockey team but uh oh carter's gonna do research i heard volunteer (laughs) (laughs) I i don't think that's something that like like if you're talking about college field hockey that's some um like the geographical overlap of schools that have that and schools that have lacrosse is pretty much like the Venn diagram's a circle, I think. Like that's some that's some yeah. I that's would some go like, like Maryland Northeast. stuff, right? There. Yeah, that's, super yeah, waspy for that's sure. Mid Atlantic, Mid Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. People named Bridget. Sorry, Bridgets. <laughs> Something IVE. I always enjoy the the. There's like a lacrosse, like a college lacrosse website that every year publishes an uh, a lacrosse all name team. Which is funny in a much different way than like college football all name mm-hmm. teams. It's mm-hmm. always like like Winger Bingston the sixth and stuff like that. <laughs> it's more impressive that you just pulled that out of a hat. Just that was unbelievable. <laughs> I think that's a real one. I think that might be something I'm remembering from one of these actual lists. Nice. Tweet that out if you if you find it. All right. At, at risk of getting into four names and and further. A little bit of football, a little bit of getting through, you know, we we're talking a little bit offline, media days for the American, uh, new name, new logo, same kind of crazy. Anything in particular you take away from the UTSA portion or, or what you kind of think? It, like, there's no take backs now. Like, there, we're yeah. all in this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were actually quite a few takeaways. We actually did a whole episode on media day uh, with Stephen Whitaker of BirdsUp.com. And I, I don't know if we've ever done a full episode on media day before which was interesting. But from the UTSA perspective, I think the main thing is UTSA went to Conference USA Media Days last year with a lot of swagger. Uh, They were wearing their championship rings at Media Day. Uh, Frank Harris is wearing like some super fancy like orange loafers. Uh, And people were like looking on designer brand websites trying to figure out where he bought those shoes from and stuff. Uh, And they were like much more like subdued and like confident, but also had a bit of humility to them. 
coming to the AC, which I thought was a good sign that they're not expecting to just walk in and like waltz this conference like they kind of have for Conference USA. And I, I think they do understand that like those two championships are in the past, different level of competition. Um, so that was pretty interesting. And then we got some health updates as well. Uh, you know, JT Clark had a pretty serious knee injury, one of UTSA star receivers, uh, the UAB game towards the end of last season. Um, and it sounds like he's pretty close to being ready to go for fall camp. They, he said, they said the next three weeks are going to be, you know, critical for him to get on the field for week one in Houston. And then uh, Frank Harris had another two knee surgeries in the offseason. So he went to the Manning Passing Academy but didn't participate. And I was like, oh, that's not a good sign. Uh, yeah, and it turns out, so he had like a, you know, a lot of athletes, they have like kind of those cleanup surgeries in the offseason. And he had one of those, and then I guess it turned into an infection. And it was so bad, he was on bed rest for like two or three weeks. He said it was like the darkest nice. period of his life. I was like, oh, my God. He says he's, like, near 100% now, but, whew, man, that's tough. He said he's had 10 surgeries since he graduated from high school. Crazy. That is crazy. And I will oh. say one of the, like, low-key, like, best part of media days is if you're, you know, scrolling through Twitter or X or whatever we call it now or, or <laughs> listening to the Alamo Audible podcast and you're getting these recaps and you get the sound bites, those are all well and good, but the but the best kind of – things that happen at media days are things that just happen at a table in a scrum you find a coach in the hallway you're walking by a player you're getting lunch things like that these just offhand conversations and uh, i had a conversation with jeff trailer that i thought was particularly interesting uh i don't remember who else was kind of in the circle with us we were but we were chatting and uh it got to coming up it was like that you know frank harris technically could come back for another year in 2024 Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff looks at me and he says, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I look him back and I said, are you sure? So I'm not calling him a liar. Yeah. But I just have a feeling if both of those guys are still around at UTSA in 2024, I'm not going to be shocked. I wouldn't be either. I mean, at this time last year, everyone thought that Frank was going to be gone after the end of last season. And it sounds like his thinking changed throughout the course of the season. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a scenario where he does end up taking that eighth year. Well, dramatic, he's got to go plan a PhD plan. Complete your heart plan. out, Brad Rosner. I know, seriously. But yeah, it seems to me like him, Rashad, and some of the other guys that came back for their, you know, super senior season or whatever, uh, they just really wanted to lead that transition into the AC. Like, the, like for those guys that were there, the very beginning of the trailer area at the end of the Frank Wilson era, I think for them, they see it as part of their legacy. Like not only did we win these conference championships, we went to these bowl games, got these top 25 rankings, but now we're transitioning to a whole new era for the program and kind of taking that first step into the conference, which makes a lot of sense to me. So walk me through this a little bit because I, I did kind of pick up that vibe too. It was not, we own the place. It's like, Hey, we're happy to be here. Uh, when mm-hmm. I was talking with, with trailer, he made the comment is like, it was like someone said, like, do you feel disrespected, you know, being picked second uh, and not to win the conference? He's like, man, I don't remember that long ago where we were picked second to last. So yeah. I'll take second any day. Um, and you know, so I, I get that, but I remember talking to you on this podcast a year ago, And this was the point where the UTSA hype train was basically taking off. And you kind of 
you didn't quite pump the brakes, but you said, take a breath. Let's not get mm -hmm. crazy. It could mm -hmm. happen, but let's, let's kind of be level headed. So a year later, back to back conference championships later, where are you at going into this season? Are, are you carrying a little bit more, uh, I don't know, anticipation, confidence than the team was putting out or, uh, you know, how much of this new look AAC, regardless of where you UTSA was picked, uh, is there to be wary of? So I think that number two spot's perfect, right? Because two lanes of champ. This is the dream you know? spot. You right. don't want to be the hunted. Right, exactly. Um, so I think if UTSA was playing at Conference USA again this year, I would be full speed ahead on the high train, you know, 11-1 season on deck. But I think, like, just you're not getting an FIU game this year. You know what I mean? Like, even USF, as bad as they were last year, they're way better than FIU. So you're not getting a, any gimme, you know, in conference play this year. And I just think, like, the the week-to-week -week toll is going to be a lot tougher for UTSA. I think roster-wise, they can go man-to-man -man with any team that's in this league. And I think their depth is going to be pretty competitive as well. But I think just, like, the the stamina of taking body blow week after week after week is, is going to be a lot tougher in the AAC. So I, I do think that second spot's perfect for them. You know, I, I think probably like a nine-win season or something like that. Eight-win season feels about right to me. Um, but we'll just have to see how it goes. I mean, for, for as much as we're hearing about Frank's injury, it's like, man, you know, any, anything can happen for sure. But I just, it's it's hard to find a glaring weakness on this team right now. And you know, it's moving into new conference is a variable, but um, definitely hard to foresee a really bad season for the Roadrunners. Is anything keeping you up at night? It's a good team, good roster, good coach. If, 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 if I'm not going to say paint me the disaster scenario, but sure. other than like Frank getting hurt, what what are the potential roadblocks to you know slowing there, this team down? Yeah, there, <clears throat> there's some minor ones. That, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the depth in the secondary is cause for concern. I would say keeps me up at night per se. But I think something that is maybe been minimized a little bit is they're going to be on their third offensive coordinator in three years. And Justin Burke, he's an internal promotion. I think he's been here since, as long as Trailer's been here. And he's got some good coaching experience and all of that. Frank Harris has been really hyping him up and saying that, you know, he's a bit of the mastermind that was like kind of behind the scenes, drawing up plays and schemes and stuff like that. But I, I just think it's really hard to hit on three offensive coordinators in a row. To, and the last two were like superstars, right? They both went P5 uh, after one season. So I think that is cause for concern that you just, I don't, I haven't heard as many people bring up. I think because it's internal, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's going to be the same system and all that. But those end game decisions are tough, especially for a first time play caller. Um, and Justin Burke did call the plays in the bowl game, which uh, the offense was not very successful, but Tavorian Barnes was hurt. Frank Harris was playing hurt. Josh Cephas was suspended. Um, and then I think there might have been one other key injury as well. So offense didn't perform a little bit. I thought his play calling was fine. You know, we're just going to have to Troy see. had like one of the best defenses yeah. in the group of five. Yeah, so. they, they were really, really salty. That was like one of those games where I was like really upset in the moment. And then I do my rewatch and my film breakdown. And I was like, okay, like I, I, I can let this one go. That was a really, really nasty defense. Yeah, you know, you never know with the when you're when you're getting sort of especially when it's repeated internal promotions at a spot like OC. Like sometimes it works out fine, and sometimes it's whatever in the world Clemson's offense was last year. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Yeah, that's the thing, because when, when they hire somebody from the outside who nobody that covers the program has, A, who nobody's heard of, so then they go explain. It's like, oh, he was the OC or he was the quarterback's coach at so-and-so, and this stat proves why he was so great. And then you're like, okay, I feel better. Or it's somebody you heard of, and you're like, oh, man, can you believe we got this guy? But when they promote from within, the only guy who has the, the reference for why he's qualified to do the job is the guy who made the promotion. There's There's not, like... A fancy graphic. The graphic was like, here's how our offense was. So we're going to try and keep it going. Which is good. But those those are the ones that get me more nervous than anything else mm -hmm. is the internal promotion. It's not not that it's always a bad thing, but it's right. just like it's a it's a black box, man. Yep, I agree. Uh, you know, Jeff Trailer's hit on all of his internal promotions so far for the most part. So, you know, I think until proven otherwise, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. But you're right. I mean, if you track college football at large, I think the success rate on these is middling at best. It's interesting. Now I, I, I'm, I'm thinking through better success rate, internal or external hires. It's probably perhaps either would, way. How, but... how you would quantify that. I'm about to say, yeah. I feel like we're just picking lots. Do people sue that? Is that old biblical terms? Lot picking? I think so. I don't know. We got there. Um, the offense is really good. We talked a little bit about the defense. Uh, I saw uh, a wisdom back at, at mm -hmm. media days and, uh, man, for, for people that didn't follow the ins and outs of UTSA last year, and they just saw them score a billion points and beats people, uh, like how much of a cheat code is it? And when I, when I kind of do and like get the previews together, I, I ask people about, you know, guys coming new faces and I include the guys who missed all last year and came back because mm -hmm. almost it, it feels almost better than the best transfer you could land because you're getting a guy who I mean what the best player in your defense possibly mm -hmm. yeah. coming back and you could just get to slot him in mm -hmm. yeah and he brings like such a leadership aspect as well he's really the heartbeat of the defense and they, I think the secondary recovered later in the season and Clifford Chapman kind of emerged and, and showed his potential but it until Chapman like really started to stand out, there was definitely something missing in the defense, right? Like a lot of communication breakdowns and stuff like that. So excited to get him back. And I mean, he looked yoked at media day. I mean, he does not look like he is coming off an injury and was not working out a lot. I think he said he has a six pack for the first time in his life. So I, I just, as a fan of his, I would be a check off, check off best shape of his life on your media. Yeah. Day's big yeah. It's like spring training. <laughs> yeah, we did that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> who was that pitcher for the Yankees every year? They're like, oh yeah, he lost 20 pounds and he just like looks super fat. Was it Sabathia? I think. <laughs> yeah. Chilling. Maybe. Yeah. I don't but know. Sabathia, I, Sabathia did eventually lose a lot of weight, but I, mm -hmm. yeah, I think he was one every year that was like, yeah, he's doing great. And it's like, he yeah. looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I think another kind of understated uh, storyline is Rashad Wisdom. I don't think had a turnover these past two seasons. He had a whole bunch, uh, I think, in the 2020 season. Um, and I don't know if it's just like offenses know to avoid him now. They don't throw the ball towards him or what. But um, I really want to see him get, you know, four or five interceptions and fumble recoveries this year or something. What about the uh, the front seven, the, the pass rush? I know that UTSA has yeah. just kind of turned over like bona fide NFL players and like mm -hmm. seven year starters up front that have kind of yeah. made things a lot easier. Uh new faces how does that kind of look because i know that's kind of when we talk about things that or at least what i've noticed that differentiates 
Conference USA from the American and some of the teams. I, when I kind of mm-hmm. went through the CUSA rosters in years past, there'd be a bunch of teams that had a guy. Yeah, Like there were four or five, six teams that had that one guy. He went off to the NFL. He was really good. But man, I'm looking through some of these teams. And I remember when Rice played Houston last year, uh, was it uh, Parrish, their star uh, edge rusher went mm-hmm. out like first half and we're like, okay, we're good. And then they, they just throw three more in there. Right. And you're like, dang it, it's not oh. fair. So, <laughs> so is UTSA, do you think they're at that level yet or are they in progress? They're close. They're close. I don't know if I would throw the SAC Av uh, label on them just yet because it really, like last year, it was just Trey Moore that brought the heat as, as a pass rusher, which was a nice surprise because he wasn't really one of those freshmen that everyone had circled as a breakout player. Um, so definitely looking forward to seeing his development. But I think as a unit, that front seven is is really strong and particularly on the defensive line. You know, it's, it's almost definitely the strong point of the roster uh, as far as depth goes. They're not just too deep. They're three deep. Like, I think legitimately think guys on that third string could start for a lot of AAC programs. Um, like Nick Booker Brown's a former walk-on. And, you know, he I don't know how many sacks he had, but he was just so disruptive. He's so quick off the line. Um, it's just like always creating havoc. Uh, Brandon Brown, I think, was second team all-conference, if I remember correctly. Uh, he's like a really, really strong, powerful nose tackle. And, I mean, you just go up and down that list. And it's like all these guys are are just absolute studs and uh, the depth is there. So they, they can rotate so much throughout the game and they're really fresh in the fourth quarter uh, compared to the offensive live in. So yeah, it's, it's definitely nasty, but for the front seven as a whole, there is a hole at the linebacker position next to Jamal Ligon. So I think right now, Martavius French is probably going to be the favorite to start there in week one. Uh, but we'll probably see a bit of a position battle there for sure. Gosh, we're going to get to a point where I stop recognizing all these names. It's like, hasn't he been there for I know, right? It's forever. (laughs) He said Liggett. I'm like, there's no way. Like, he was playing against uh, uh, along. I'm just going to go through the list of all these guys who were there for nine years. Uh, (laughs) I guess that is. And and UTSA, they they did the, like, let's bring all of the 24-year-olds back. Right. And then somehow they're all still there. Well, I guess yeah. the 23-year-olds are there because they didn't get to play because the 24-year-olds mm-hmm. were there, and now the 23-year-olds are 24. Yeah, and even the guys that didn't play, they still get the free COVID year. So I think Lincoln has another year left if he wants to use it, I think. Don't hold me to that. I, who knows anymore? <laughs> I, I, I've heard you guys talk about the podcast. It's like, let's <laughs> the notion. Just like put like scratch tally marks on, on the roster on the website and like let us know how many years are left at this point. Yeah, until we get, until we get to the point, until we get to like – Let's see. Past 2024, there will be no more like regular, like true freshmen through redshirt seniors on rosters anymore. Or shouldn't be like aside from guys who have had a lot of injury redshirt. So at that point, I will I will be fine with colleges starting to use the class designations again, because then you might feel confident that it actually indicates how many years of eligibility they have. <laughs> might. It's going to be 2027, and we're going to be talking about a ninth-year offensive lineman at Purdue and how his crazy story, and it's not who's, it's not Rinaldi anymore. Somebody else is going to be on game day talking about it, and we're going to be like, this is ridiculous. It'll be forever. I don't know how, I don't know how it's going to happen, but thus is life. It's going to we're going to factor in NIL and somehow be able to, you know, combine the paying, paying people to stick around for an extra year. It'll be like the MLS. You get one. What do they call it? The uh, non-salary cap player. 
I mean, he, JT, JT Daniels, great example of this, right? Yeah, <laughs> just just bring him in. He doesn't count against the cap. I want to see a player do the full circle, five years, five schools, five NIL deals. That's like living life to the fullest, man. All-time quarterback. Yeah. This is crazy. Um, speaking of quarterbacks, and maybe it's just Andrews. We talked about this on a couple other podcasts. Explain to me as somebody who has watched probably more Frank Harris than most sane people. Um, guessing that's accurate. Uh, why he has, I looked at the NFL draft like mocks, which are way too early and all of that's nonsense. And they had ranked like 200 quarterbacks and he was ranked like 199. Mm-hmm. And I think that's silly. Explain, explain to me, this is your platform to tell the world that Frank Harris is really good at football. Because that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> He's really good at football, but let's also keep in mind the guys the NFL loves to draft. You know what I mean? Like, they love the big pocket passer, big body, can take hits, sit in the pocket. Frank's just not really built to do that, right? Dude, I mean, I'm sure he could play at the next level. He doesn't talk like he's going to have an NFL career, which is interesting. Um, he just doesn't mention it much. And, you know, a lot of people speculated that that's part of the reason why he came back for UTSA. Um because he doesn't like foresee, you know, signing a $60 million deal in the NFL. Uh, you know, who knows how true that is. And, you know, Frank uh, definitely keeps his personal opinions pretty guarded for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really can't like stump for him as an NFL player, but I can absolutely stump for him as like one of the greatest to ever do it at, at the college football level. I mean, he has a lot of records that he's like within striking distance of like being up there with like, um, like Drew Brees for like total touchdowns thrown in college and stuff like that. So um, he's had an illustrious career for sure. If he stays healthy, throws for another 4,000 yards, you're going to see him on leaderboards for maybe the rest of our lives, but just doesn't always translate to the league. That's wild. Has it kind of like, A, has it hit you yet? Because I, I like, we both remember Frank Harris is like, man, this guy can't even got on the field. He's hurt again. He missed the season. We're starting like a converted wide receiver against Rice yeah. and beating Rice. And will Frank ever come back? And then boom. And then not only just for him, but, you know, and we've kind of tiptoed around this conversation the last couple of times that, you know, we've been on the pod or we've talked about, you know, creating a sustainable program that mm-hmm. sticks past <clears throat> right. Frank Harris and sticks past uh, Jeff trailer. And of course we got to get there until we know, but how many of these more seasons do we kind of stack on? How many more Frank Harris's does UTSA need before you start feeling, you know, maybe now we're, we're not Boise or, you know, at Utah TCU, the, the G five teams that just became behemoths. Mm-hmm. But but we're we're a team that has staying power and and we're we're a top of the AAC kind of squad anymore. How close do you kind of feel the program is to getting there? They're making really good headway. I think you know opening the race facility last year was massive. I mean it's definitely on par with anything you'll see in the AAC and a lot of Power Five schools. Budget wise, there's still plenty of work to be done. But UTS is just like so committed to football. I mean it's it's crazy like. Um, everything that Jeff Trailer points out that UTSA doesn't have, it's like you come back in a year and it's there, it's done. Um, you know, nutrition program, 
additional recruiting staffers, you know, stuff like that. The list goes on and on. Uh, they just got lights at the practice field uh, actually a couple of weeks ago. They're still trying to get a cover uh, the roof over that turf field, too. But, um, you know, I think from like off the field type stuff, UTSA is progressing really, really well. Uh, overall, athletics budget jumped up to 40 million this year. They're trying to get to 45, I think, in a year or two, um, which is still lower than a lot of AAC schools. But they also have the full AAC uh, conference credits, you know, for TV money, uh, NCAA tournament unit distributions and stuff like that. So, you know, you factor that stuff into UTSA in a couple of years and they're going to be right there, you know, budget wise. So. Gotta feel pretty good about it overall. Uh, the Alamodome is just such a differentiator, such a huge benefit to UTSA as well. And, you know, the, the unique benefits of San Antonio and, you know, NIL is not SMU level, but it's pretty strong for a G5. So I think it's, you know, it's it's getting a lot harder to pick things to complain about for sure. Yeah, it's it's sort of been weird watching it because UTSA, when the program first started, was in a situation that a lot of, schools have been at kind of all levels of FBS football where people, you look at it from a, uh, like just a natural position of the program standpoint. And you're like, okay, well, you know, there's no other, no other uh, FBS program in San Antonio. You have this, you know, a metro area with, with really loves high school football. Like there are all these things. It's like, you know, if they could just get the local guys and, you know, really mm-hmm. lock everything down, then like this would be great. But there are so many programs. You're like Charlotte's, or you're. See, I've like, heard that story twenty times. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, think about how many schools that you are like, okay, this should work, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't worked. And it's it's almost wild to watch it actually work. Right. Like right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess UCF and Orlando is a great example. Cincinnati, but I I feel like there's a lot more of those like sleeping giants that are and. Just dormant for decades, for sure. Yeah, that have never actually woken up. Yeah, I just think that the difference for UTSA is, like, San Antonio is such a football-crazy city, first and foremost. And the administration from, like, like there's, like, some people on the Board of Regents for the UT system that seem to be big Roadrunner fans. School president loves football. He came from Texas Tech, right? I mean, he shows up to practice all the time. He knows every player on the roster. You know, AD is incredible. So... You always hear coaches talk about alignment. That's like a big buzzword, right? That the agents like to throw out there. UTSA definitely has <laughs> it. And I, I make this uh, joke all the time, but I feel like UTSA is the only athletics program, definitely in the group of five, that always has like their chief financial officer at all the big athletic events. And like she like flies out to like random cities to go watch <laughs> them on the road. It's like the whole school is like so bought into football. And you, you hear from people at other schools where like, oh, yeah, there's like these protests. They're like trying to shut down the program. It's like total opposite at UTSA, which is cool. I mean, everyone's on board for sure. I mean, go one way or another. The other dominant program in the conference that uh, UTSA is leaving shut down their football program for it to work. So I guess yeah. you could you could lean into either direction and find mm-hmm. success. Yeah, it you is... want to uh, talk about people in the university system, Board of Regents being in favor of your uh you know less prominent institution in the system uh, yeah <laughs> there's there's one primary example where that is not the very much not the case yeah it, it is really funny to hear uab people talk about like utsa being part of the ut system like we're gonna get you know uab to to make it into a verb and it's like that's actually been like 
the complete opposite experience for UTSA. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you beat UT one time in Austin, and maybe that changes, I guess. But <laughs> I just think, like, there's not that much of a... Uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like Alabama is like, we can't let anyone encroach on our territory. It's a smaller state. I think the UT system is like cool with UTSA and UTEP and UTRGB, UT Arlington excelling because it's like such a bigger state, I guess. And like UTSA is never going to actually just also compete. realize that they're not right. playing the same game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like, as, I don't know, as a person who grew up in Birmingham, like, and I, or been like a UAB fan, but I like went would go to basketball games as a kid, mm-hmm. and like from an Alabama family, big Alabama fans. But like, it's it's so laughable to me that there is very clearly this faction on the UA Board of Trustees that just is determined to like quash UAB. Yeah, and it's like, how can you possibly like UAB is never going to be in the same universe mm-hmm. as Alabama, and like it is net like. How can you possibly be threatened by right. the existence of this program? Like it's, oh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, poor UAB, but still picked. I think what well, they finished fifth or sixth in the uh, American polls. That's solid. With, I mean, Mr. for how Dilfer. much they lost and their coaching changeover, that's that's pretty respectable, I'd say. I'm not gonna lie, I put them way higher than I thought I was going to when I actually yeah. sat down and I was it was time for me to submit my ballot and then I submitted it and after I, I submitted it to the league office and then uh, somebody on uh, at Twitter was kind of straw polling it and stuff together and I was I was sending it to you know some random uh, guy that I was talking with on Twitter and it was at that point I'm like uh oh now I feel dirty for for voting for for, for Trent Dil- Dilfer to win football games and uh didn't it they happens. get a number one vote? In. They did. Yeah. Yeah. I won't. You, I won't Matthew. speak to. Tell, it was not me. me. <laughs> I do. I do know who cast that vote. I will not divulge. Okay. <laughs> Save that but, for uh, post recording. Yeah, they got one one first place vote, which was surprising to me. And then I think the rest of it was the usual usual suspects. This is where there. you're supposed to plug your Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> Put it behind the paywall. It's behind the paywall. I, you know, I have, I have a long list of things to to do. I will say, uh, I will plug the Patreon app. Can I do that? As a, a person who's a co-Patreon person, mm-hmm. this happens to me all the time. Where I, as a person who subscribes on Patreon, I get a little push notification when stuff goes on, and it just makes me really happy. You get an email too. Yeah. It's really nice, and it's a great listening yeah. experience on the app as well. Yeah, it's like a surprisingly robust podcast. Player. It is, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so get the Patreon app, listen to the Alamo Audible, listen to the Roost podcast. I don't, I don't think we've, well, I do some stuff for our upper tier uh, booster level patrons if you want to subscribe there on Patreon and we dig into, you know, some, maybe that's what I'll do. The UAB first place voter, you can go on the booster level Patreon t- tier. <laughs> Got me some free fodder. Nice. Guys, this is why Jared is the best. <laughs> Consummate pro. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there was anything else like super revealing about the media polls, uh, other than if we want to comment, I don't think I've commented publicly anywhere yet on the, the Biff Pogeisms mm. that have already started. Is this like, 
the new like it's not even the Lane Kiffin. I feel like Lane Kiffin was the character in Conference USA, but this is on a whole nother level of like I just I don't know, man. Like, Lane was Lane always felt very authentic. He was just being his goofy self. I'm not sure. Yeah, he was a goofball. Biff, yeah, I'm not sure if Biff is doing a bit or it's like a shtick of his or not. It's just like it's too early for me to tell. I did like that the Charlotte Athletics account turned it into a promotion. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys saw this afterwards. Yeah, yep, just three games <laughs> instead of just three questions. I'm like, hey, all about it. You hired an invest investment banker to go run your football program. Let's see how it turns out. Yeah. It was an interesting time. We get onto the uh, gridiron in a couple weeks. Um, anything else that, you know, we kind of talk big picture UTSA things. Is it full speed ahead, spring spring practice, fall camp time, and then roll? No, no, Texas. Texas is not on schedule this year, right? Not this year. It was, yeah. it was the, every other for like a decade? I think so, yeah. It's a really long um, series, but there's like random gaps in there. I'm not sure if it's every other year. I think at one point it might be three years without a meeting. It's weird. So what uh, SEC program is UTSA going to upset this year? I'm sure they have somebody. Tennessee's on the schedule, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's that's, it's, that's it's probably weird. wishful thinking on my part, but <laughs> I, I, UTSA has done well enough where like I'm not shocked when people are like, "Ooh, upset alert!" But some of these like Tennessee Twitter accounts are straight up homers, and even they are <laughs> like, "Oh, UTSA is a trap game." I'm like, this guy. Types like he's 18 years old. Like, I, ha, what? Like, you're not supposed to be that impressed with the G5 program. Come on. Have a little pride in Tennessee <laughs> Orange, man. I don't know. Put it, put it, uh, I'll be, uh, it'll be one of those. I hope it's one of those Rice's finished this game and I have something on in the background as I'm uh, writing my post game write ups. And it's like, oh, it's the, it's the third quarter and UTSA just went up 20, 21 to seven. See, that's. Okay. So Pro- it'll probably be like 35 to 24 if it's right. a, yeah they still have a big uh, tv for that so i'm hoping it's like a decent decent slot rice is at usf that day so um yeah that could be i don't know fingers crossed that could be coming off a win so uh be a nice code i i certainly would enjoy rice winning and then watching tennessee lose so <laughs> I'm I'm, yeah, I'm getting my even, heart set on this now. I haven't even processed the fact that I have like maybe an inherent bias towards rooting for non-Charlotte uh, legacy CUSA programs. I'm just like, yeah, I'll root for UTSA. I'll root for FAU. We were talking. I, I, I'm still kind of rooting for Charlotte a little bit because I, I like a I'm lot rooting of their fans. for not. I don't like Biff. I don't. Yeah, I don't like him at all. We were talking about that in our podcast last night. Like the the the, the folks that cover it and the the program. I'm I'm all Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were talking about uh, on our podcast the other night. Is like how does Charlotte become the villain of the league? Because when they were in Conference USA, I mean, they were very much an afterthought. Like no one had a strong opinion about Charlotte, and now they get into the AC, and everyone's like, "Oh, I want to beat Charlotte." You know, it's it's really weird to me. I don't know. (laughs) They don't have anybody left. Like Chris Reynolds is gone. Grant Dubose yeah. is gone. Victor Tucker's gone. Shatter is wait. Shatter it's like, Bird might be the one guy who's still there. Their two deep is going to be like thirty dudes that were on Power Five rosters but never played. So like, who knows? 
Some he, of them are going to be good. He Colorado to that roster. Like he Dion. Yeah, he that did. Roster. He did. I know. And <laughs> I mean, like half those dudes he brought in played for him in high school. It's really strange. Yeah, it's a weird yeah, situation. He, he was at St. Francis. Yeah, he was right. like listing it out. He was like, yeah, you know, this new guy played for me in high school. It was bragging about it. And I'm like, I, I mean, I guess that's neat, but I don't like, I brought my high school team with me to college. It's not like the. It's not a flex. I think it is. Yeah, I don't think that's it's like it's more of a flex for the high school he was you at coach, than like, it would be for most of them. But. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind he was at a private school, and in most states outside of Texas, you can recruit to private schools. Yeah. So I I don't know if it's all that impressive, really, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. But St. Francis has churned out a lot of lot of high level prospects recently, like when mm-hmm. he was there, but. It's still a little like, I don't know, like even if you were an IMG Academy coach and you're like, yeah, I brought all my guys. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Especially given that those guys would still, like if they had actually been great college players thus far, they would still be at the Power 5 schools they originally signed with. Right. Or or dare I say signed at, a lower P5, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a big gap from like, you know, Michigan to Charlotte or whatever. This is going on it things that should be obvious. The gap from Michigan to Charlotte. Yeah, I don't I don't know if you have any Charlotte listeners or not. And I'm not we got some. OK, I, I'm not completely giving up any hope that Charlotte's competitive this year because I could see it. I mean. I could see if I was a player, I would really want to compete for Biff because, like, you know, maybe he acts like a jackass in public, but, you know, he loves his guys, right? That that seems obvious. Would not be the first time a locker room has rallied around a coach that yeah. people yeah. outside are like, yeah. what? Right. Yeah. We, and, we like, there are good. plenty of coaches who are, like, not the most personable guys outside of a locker room, but will totally yeah. get guys around them. Like, right. I mean, Nick Saban is awkward as hell. Like, I, I think that's an underrated part of the way people talk about him is he's actually just kind of an awkward guy. Like, he's not super, like, charming or personable. Mm-hmm. But, like, Alabama players pretty much all love the dude. So, like, it's it's not it's definitely not an unheard of thing. So but, Biff yeah. Pogi is the next coming of Nick Saban. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's it. Okay, <laughs> that's I'm, I'm, I'm looking quote. forward to the videos of Biff Pogi doing the Cupid Shuffle and recruits living room like Nick Saban does. <laughs> Oh, man. I will say just kind of big picture thoughts on this entire situation and something that I kind of took away from media days is just the weird makeup of teams and programs in this conference. And we kind of knew it with the melding of like, let's take half of COSA and and throw it in with half the AAC, Um, but seven new coaches and then a handful of the guys that are there, um, a couple second year guys Mm -hmm. that like head coach's second year ever coaching you know college football and so it's a bunch of you got your utsa and charlotte's you got young programs you have young coaches and then you have the weird mix on the other side of like you have willie fritz who's been doing this for like literally 100 years but just got good Uh, that is not entirely fair but had his breakthrough year last year it's just a yeah, he was very good at Sam Houston State. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not, he's a good coach, and he's very well-respected. 
but but the breakthrough pop mm-hmm. like the fact that we can reference pulling a two lane as <laughs> as a good thing yeah as a good thing yeah that's crazy you yeah. got me thinking though is there any coach in the AAC that's been at their school they're at now for more than three seasons? I was going through each one, one by one. Mike Houston will be in year four at ECU. Yeah. Bloomgren's like year five, right? This will be 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, six, 23. Six. This will be year six. Yeah, we're through five. Yeah. So he might be the most tenured head coach at his program in this conference. That's nuts. I'm thinking through. I can't think of anyone that hasn't beat. You might be right. I think. Okay, did Houston start? This is this is this is five for Houston, Houston. East Carolina. So <clears throat> okay, that's... yeah. So one year left. Navy, no. USF, no. new. Temple, second year. Mm-hmm. Tulsa, new. ECU, four years. North Texas, new. UAB, new. FAU, new. Memphis, how long is Silver? Three years? Three, maybe. Yeah. SMU, second year, Tulane. Willie Fritz, how long has Willie Fritz been there? He might be six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Mike Bloomgren is the second longest tenured coach in the A. Okay, so let's let's extrapolate here. (laughs) Let's extrapolate. (laughs) So pulling rice is going to the fiesta bowl. Wait, okay, okay. So, so, oh, this is actually year... This is year eight for Willie Fritz. He was he was first there in Whoa. 2016. So okay, Rice just has to hang on to Bloom for for what two more years. So so 2020, 2025, Rice football. Hey, right as the right as the playoff expands, perfect timing. That would be the most sicko timeline if like the first time <laughs> they let a G5 program into. Well, I guess it's anyway, but. The first expanded playoff, Rice is the G5 representative. That... <laughs> hey, the Pac-12 will be dead at that point, so there could be two A's. Yeah, there could be two, for sure. So we're going to go with... The AAC could be the power conference. Rice and Jacksonville State. Mike Oresco yeah. playing the long game, finally winning. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh Let's let's close it out on some UTSA topics. We did, and you're cheating because now this is this is your fourth time through. 50. I was gonna say third, but it might be fourth. You've been around the block a while, and Jeez. you have heard through that was a compliment through the grapevine <laughs> about the Oscar Cardenas <laughs> Memorial Award trophy. Um, and you have been pondering it you had 45 minutes of discussion to think through it so i'm warning you it's going to be question three (laughs) so it's coming up you ready for the lightning round yeah let's do it all right um who leads the team in touchdowns that's not named frank harris gaborian barnes why he's gonna get the most carries (laughs) UTSA running the football. You heard it here first. Uh, Sacks, other side. Trey Moore. Okay. Uh, Oscar Cardenas Memorial Award trophy. Uh, Not a preseason all-conference selection, but he probably should be. Joe Evans. Tell us about Mr. Evans. Yeah. He's an LSU transfer. He was on the roster last year. He actually started some games at LSU. 
Uh, he is like the build of a nose tackle, but he actually plays defensive end. So he's like six foot three, two ninety five, and he's like just insanely fast for his size. So when he was healthy, he dominated the line of scrimmage. There are just like a million clips of him three yards behind the line of scrimmage, disrupting plays. But I think he only played maybe like five games or something like that. Um, so if he's able to play a full twelve game season, uh, he's an NFL talent for sure. He's got to be healthy and you know stay in shape. This is good. We're adding layers to this. Oscar Chardinier's Memorial Award trophy has to it has to be like a grit someone who has their hand in the dirt. Yeah. A tight end counts. Like yeah. you gotta be gritty. Uh you can't be like true, true freshman. You, well, you gotta, my, gotta have a little bit of my my backup answer was gonna be an either or of the two offensive tackles that came from the JUCO ranks, but I thought that was a cop out to do one or the other. Cause I'm not sure which one's gonna get the starting job, but yeah. It, the thing know. is, there are so many more all-conference selections on the line. <laughs> I'm just that's a that's a tip yeah. for future guests. Oh, so you're gaming the system. <laughs> I'm gaming the system. Yes. Ah, little game theory, yes. I was I would also be willing to accept off-ball linebackers if they or if they're gigantic. Yeah. So like a Zabin Collins type guy. If it's yeah. an off-ball linebacker who weighs more than 240 pounds, he's eligible. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with Joshua Piercy this week up at Media Days, and I said, I said, what position do you play? <laughs> He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean, I, I know that sometimes when I fill out a depth chart, I write you at linebacker. Sometimes I say outside linebacker. Sometimes I say edge. Sometimes I say defensive end. I know kind of where you're going to be on the field, but what position do you play? And he said, it depends. Positionless football. And, and and rice itself is no help here because as i have complained all out about on this podcast multiple times there is zero consistency in how rice labels players on the roster like yep. for some of the like they have guys that are labeled as outside linebacker and guys that are labeled as rush and guys that are labeled as defensive end they're like all playing the same position they have some guys that are listed as just S for safety and some guys that are just listed as that are listed as SAF for safety. What? Why is it different? You should, you should subscribe on Patreon because on Patreon, we have an updated roster with actual positions and we have a whole roster grid with year and position like actual position, like defensive tackle or edge or end or safety SAF. It's all there. I'm also now noticing one freshman who's just listed as S, but it's a lowercase s. <laughs> I'm not making this up. It's a lowercase s. What does that mean? <laughs> that sounds like a Tom Herman strategy. Like, you got to get your first interception before you get a capital letter. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Are you a capital S player, son? <laughs> they also have all of these, especially today, in today's age, where you're just, I feel like the recruiting uh, like has gone fully towards uh, I mean, we joked about positionless football, but just athlete in general, mm -hmm. where you're bringing in guys who are just good football players. And uh, the guy who's in charge of inputting the roster and <laughs> going into this summer and the coaching staff are not having regular meetings on, Hey, do I put this guy at safety or do I put this guy at linebacker? And they're just like, Hey, we got to put him in the computer somewhere. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be honest and say I don't think Rice's chief concern is making sure that people accessing the roster online can pinpoint exact positions. But uh, we're here for you. The roost is here for you. 
I have all of that. And I sat through and I painstakingly interviewed Josh Piercy and talked with everybody and tried to figure out if this defensive end was actually a defensive end or a defensive tackle or a nose tackle or whatever. And aside, uh, shout out Oscar. Where, where is Oscar Cardenas nowadays? Like, what do you mean? Is he is he a senior? Is he? I think he's a senior, but probably okay. still has another year as well. God, I know. It can't be a Memorials Trophy. You're still on the team. True. Uh, yeah, we'll he was it. a he was a true freshman in 2019 and got the red shirt. So he'll he'll be a without the COVID year he would be a redshirt <laughs> senior this year, but he does also have the COVID year. So we're gonna go the other way. He can never leave. He actually this is a lifetime <laughs> achievement. He's gonna do that straight to GA pipeline. So yeah, he graduates. Well, he graduates like doesn't he, matter anymore. I don't know why I even said that. That was dumb. Not, it's it's the, the third degree. Pounds. Oh God. There you go, gritty. He passes the test. That's he could be on his own. Big boy tight end. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, bigger picture outside of UTSA a little bit. Um, wide net AAC player that you're just going to enjoy watching this year. Any mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. I'm still getting to know the rosters, to be honest with you. Um, I did that, the what walking around media days and I was like, oh yeah. Or, mm-hmm. oh, it's just like you're, this coach or that player. And I was like, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pick. Bohannon at USF. I love a good redemption story. You had a couple of former Baylor quarterbacks around. Jacob Zeno was at Media Days. Right, yeah. With Baylor. Or with Baylor, with, with UAP. UAP. There you go. That's a good pick. Uh, back to UTSA. Uh, rookie of the year? Newcomer? Mm, see, this is where I can pick my Juco offensive tackle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm going to go with Buffalo Cruz. All name team. Oh and yeah, that's excellent. Him looks, or Pig he looks so good. In the Best screen. name on the team. Wait, I think I think is, is it Buffalo Cruz like uh, like Tom Cruise or like Penelope Cruz? No, it's like K R U I Z E. Oh, I think even he's like German Cruise. No, no, he's he's a Pacific Islander. I think he might be Hawaiian. Um. But I'm going right, to pick him for the all-name team. For the etymology of Cruz. Right. I'm going to pick him for all-name because he's an offensive lineman, and, like, Buffalo Cruz just sounds like an offensive lineman. Uh, Pitt Cage is a very undersized safety, so it's almost like an ironic name for him. <laughs> I love this. Uh, team MVP. Frank Harris. <laughs> What would it? What would it, it? What would it take for someone other than Frank Harris to win the MVP for UTSA this year? I mean, Frank's healthy. He plays a full season. Is there yeah. any possible? I was going to say Frank Harris getting hurt. Right. I mean, that's the main thing. I, I guess other than that, like maybe Rashad having a, just a monster season and getting into the NFL draft. Six talks, defensive touchdowns. Yeah, something nuts like that. That would be entertaining. I'd be up for that. Uh, if you or, can't or pick, I, I think Kavorian Barnes. I mean, if he averages like seven, eight yards a carry or something like that, maybe he jumps Frank. Hey, I I was on the sincere McCormick tri- hype train from the beginning, <laughs> so I'm there. There you go. He's not here anymore. He's out of eligibility. I know that. Um, AAC big picture. Uh, you can't pick UTSA. Uh, you gonna be brave and pick someone other than Tulane to win the conference. 
Okay, my actual answer is Tulane. Um, the next question is surprise team. Okay, I'll try to have two different answers. For a non-UTSA, non-Tulane champ, I'm going to go with... Charlotte. <laughs> Absolutely not. In Biff we I, trust. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying SMU, to be honest with you. I guess Memphis. I, I love Seth Finnegan. I think Seth is great. So I, I'm going to have Memphis as my wild card championship contender. But SMU's schedule is so easy. They're in the Pac-12. I mean, true. <laughs> SMU has a cakewalk of a schedule, though, so I guess they're probably the logical pick. Yeah, I'm just oh. getting used to 14-team conference where everybody doesn't play everybody. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking through this stuff. And just like, it's still like, I was talking with some folks from North Texas. And I'm like, oh, wait, Rice doesn't play North Texas this year. I was like, this is... SMU is not on UTSA's schedule for like four years. Sucks. That's, we, we don't yeah. even have divisions. Like, mm-hmm. why is... like? And there's not pods either. Yeah, it's it's strange. I do like when they, they scheduled released. it like these. All of these teams are going to be in this league in three years. Sure. You can't leave. We already have a game schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that they announced the matchups like way in advance because you can kind of plan your road trips early, which is really cool. But yeah, I, I, I would like a more regional re, or regionally locked, I guess, uh, scheduling agreement. But uh, for my Dark Horse team. I think people are sleeping on ECU a little bit too much. I know they lost a lot, but I think this is a well-run program. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're much more competitive this year than people are giving them credit for. Maybe you're talking about programs that have stability. Apparently, yeah. ECU is apparently top five as far as like yeah. established yeah, and coaches I, and players. I'm joining the uh, the Rice Bowl hype train as well uh, for, for a six-win season, not for an APR selection. Go <laughs> <So> else. <laughs> We did, in fact, that, come to play. That's school. actually been written into the bylaws now. Like that, 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 that caveat. It, it, like they'll still take it, but like that they is added the rule above that. It's like APR, but first Rice. If Rice doesn't have five wins, then we go to APR. <laughs> well, when the goal was bowl wins, and like technically they are getting to a bowl, and technically they did. It's now been codified that that doesn't count anymore. It has to be an actual six-win bowl season. <laughs> We'll take it. I'm all for bowls. That that's the right answer. I think you're the first person that has picked rice, and that is why we're going to preemptively invite you on for next year, no matter what conference UTSA is at. Excellent. Hopefully, is is a rice in UTSA on the schedule in 2025? I don't. I, I, I think, think I think they're the protected rivalry. Yeah, that's the game that happens every year, which yeah. is like that's super great because. UTSA's role. Jeff Trailer and Frankel, they'll move on. And then uh then we'll see. Mm-hmm. It's great for me. And I'm up in Houston. I don't know if I knew that. Well, welcome, native Houstonian. Yeah. I'm also now a adopted member of the Rice family, which I haven't told you guys. So my wife now works in the Alumni Association office. Nice. So I'm gonna go and plug that. If you're right, there we go. Listen to this podcast. Definitely follow the Alumni Association on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and uh, volunteer for some events, and you'll get to work with my amazing wife. Uh, There is a strong chance I may have met her at a like 
at a because like I, I have been to a couple of alumni events this summer and I remember them talking about like oh yeah there we like hired some new people in the alumni office so we're like beefing up these events that would be her <laughs> if, if you were at the happy hour at Boheme recently that was her first event yes yes I was at that yeah. one <laughs> excellent thank you Carter that is hilarious please tell all your friends how much fun you had this is volunteer. great we're in this is this is high time for rice like <laughs> we're soaring there's owls we've we've co-opted the utsa yeah uh, we're getting, we're getting podcast the and brought them under. speaking of owls i really enjoyed at media day how all the coaches would sign off with go owls and they'd be like come back to the mic be like go temple owls <laughs> so stan drayton was the first one he he said it with temple he said go owls and he like took three steps off the podium and then he just comes back temple and just like did not process it at the time and then it became the whole running and i will i will share this because i we were on uh youtube with tom herman afterwards and then and then we can close out but we're on youtube with tom herman and i asked him i said so now you know you've coached at rice and you've coached at fau so you've hit two of the three owls and then Without missing a beat, he immediately says, so yeah, when they fire me for, when they fire me at FAU, I'm going to go get a GA job working for Stan. Nice. <laughs> and just, boom, and I was just like, okay, that was amazing. Can we put that where it's, <laughs> plus Stan, the Rice Stan Athletics YouTube channel. At Texas, right? Do what? Stan was on Herman staff in, in Austin, right? Oh. I think so. I think you might be right. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Cool. Full circle. Although I feel like the order of that's going to be reversed. I'm I'm pretty high on Tom at FAU this year. Maybe that should have been my yeah my wild card pick. There could be. Something. I I I was probably one of the highest. I think I had them. I think top four in my ballot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That thing's valid. Good coach. Good players. It helps. It's no Jeff Trailer, Frank Harris, but we can't we can't all be. <laughs> I love it. So any other rice uh, events or departments <laughs> you need to plug before you uh, get I will say uh, I, I got a private tour of the new engineering building and it's amazing. So when that thing opens, definitely go check it out. It's really cool. Very impressive. This is great. Anything yeah, but... else related to you plugged position stuff uh, that you were scouting through the American? What else is going on on the Alamo? audible that folks need to be listening to yeah so i mentioned our aac introduction series um which i think any anyone listening to this would enjoy we've done uh usf tulane temple is releasing tomorrow um and oh man i've already I forgot one already so we're rolling through them pretty quick they've been a lot of fun and uh, we just like i've learned so much about these schools and just the guests have been amazing super knowledgeable and passionate um, so definitely check that out. But for those that don't know, we're on the San Republic of Football Podcast Network as The Roost. So we're easy to find. You're already subscribed to us. Um, and then you can check out our website, alamoaudible.com, uh, which we've really been ba uh, beefing up our storefront this year. So we just released a new collection for the YouTube fans listening. Go check out the Banditos collection. Uh, super sick. And then we've got two more collections that we're trying to get out before the start of football season. It's here, man. It's 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 basically August, September. UTEP was practicing today. Oh, yeah, they're probably yeah. they're a week zero game, aren't they? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Rice starts on Tuesday, so uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much here. 
Let's roll. All right. Uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys, uh, through the entire, basically, uh, there's your off season, because uh, like you said, can't start. No. Um, We're done. This is, we've done a, yeah. every AAC opponent preview. Best for last. Uh, but oh. thanks to Jared for hopping on. Uh, congratulations on earning uh, yet another appearance on the pod for next year. Uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, looking forward to hopefully coming back uh, midseason. Yeah, but uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Uh, so we'll see you all soon to actually talk real, actual Rice football for the 2023 season. So uh, we'll see you soon. And Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.